0: Again, welcome to Refuge Fellowship. It's great to have everyone here. Well, I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and that we were all able to take that opportunity to celebrate the birth of Jesus. You know, I was so blessed here at Refuge at our Christmas Eve service. It was really, it was just amazing. It was a time to really just worship through song and the reading of the scripture as we heard the scriptures telling the story of Jesus' birth. Then we took communion together. It was amazing Christmas Day. We had a great message. I asked you guys all a question. What are we celebrating and it wasn't about all the meat that we had afterwards. We did have a feast afterwards though, but what we did do is reflect on all the gifts that we have each received through faith in Jesus Christ. We talked about having our sins forgiven the Holy Spirit grace mercy wisdom faith Redemption, peace, and of course, eternal life. We actually close that message with looking at James chapter 1. You got your Bibles. James chapter 1, verse 17. I want to read it again today. James chapter 1, verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possessions. Christmas is an amazing time that we get to reflect on how blessed we are to be children of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to begin this new year to come before you in the study of your word. Lord, I just pray, Lord, as we dig deep into your word today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just bless this time, Lord. You would anoint this time, Lord, that your spirit would just be poured out through this message. That each one of us would just start this new year coming before you in worship, Lord, and spending time with you. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just remove any distractions we would have. Whatever it would be, whatever's going on in the world around us, Lord, whatever's going on in our families, whatever needs that we believe we need, whatever is taking place, we just set this time aside to come before you at the start of this new year. So, Lord, I just ask for your presence. I ask for your word just to be taught. And that, Lord, all of this would be through your spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. So as most of you know, we are continuing to go chronologically through the Gospels. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 14 through 28. Jesus is continuing to head towards Jerusalem for the Passover, which would lead to his crucifixion. Now, I want to give a little preface today, because the story that we're going to get in today is also very similar to Matthew, in Matthew chapter 12 and Mark chapter 3. And there's a debate, is this the same story, or is it a different story, a different account? I personally believe... Even though we don't know exactly for sure, I'll let you know, I believe this is a different account. That this happened later, and the other accounts happened earlier then. So I'm going to be teaching it that way, but there is differences on that on the timeline of the story today. So we know that Jesus has been teaching about prayer. And Jesus just gave us, but a week ago, an outline of how we should pray. We first come before our Father, then... We acknowledge who he is. Then we pray that his promises would be fulfilled soon. We also seek Jesus daily to fulfill our needs. We also then close our prayers, asking for his protection and equipping through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus had been teaching on this. Then Jesus gave further instruction on prayer. Do you remember the further instruction he gave after he gave this outline? He said, Keep asking, keep seeking. Keep knocking. So as we begin this new year, how is your prayer life? I was challenged to challenge you. Let's make this year a, a year that we will be in the word and we'll be in prayer and we'll be in fellowship. So I gave you them three scans. They sound silly, right? They're all connected, <laughs> all part of it, being in a fellowship. So Jesus is continuing to head to Passover and... What happens? He comes upon a demon-possessed man, and we're going to start the story today. Luke chapter 11, verse 14. 14 through 16. One day, Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. But some of them said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan. Satan. The prince of demons. Others, trying to test Jesus, demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Just a casual statement the way this begins, right? One day, Jesus casts out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. That's the way this begins. I mean, seriously, how many of our conversations start out that way? Walking along and Jesus is casting out a demon. That's how this conversation begins. This story begins. And no details are really given. Just one day, Jesus came along and freed a man from being mute who had been tormented by a demon. Think about that. Just simple, right? This act that Jesus is told to us, very short and simple. Just a matter of fact. Jesus came along and cast out a demon. The focus in the passage already to me seems to be that It doesn't seem to be the details of what Jesus had done or could do, but the details seem to be the response of those who witnessed Jesus change a life radically forever. So that's an important question. I think it's an important question as we face a new year. What will a person's reaction be or a response to what Jesus has done? What is your response to what Jesus has done? This passage we read these verses they tell us that the initial reaction was amazement these people were amazed but what happens next after they just witness this man's life being radically transformed what happened next this man was just he he came from bondage to freedom everyone's amazed but then what do we sometimes try to justify like these people justify what took place by accounting I mean, they accounted a miracle to something other than the power of Jesus. Have we ever done that? In these passages, we read this, these religious leaders, their reaction to this miracle. They accused Jesus of being empowered by Satan. Just think about that. It seems to be a pattern for these guys. We know that. They give Satan credit for what God had been doing. This isn't the first time they've done this. In Matthew chapter 12, chapter 10, the same response happened to Jesus. Right after freeing someone else from bondage. And interesting, if you look at this, the exorcist, they believed, they believed a lot of strange things. But one thing they did believe is that a demon could only be cast out when it was called out by its name. It's a common known thing. They had a lot of other things. But there was Jewish exorcist in the day. So since this man could not speak due to the demonic possession, there was no hope for this man according to their belief. He was hopeless. Yet Jesus comes to this man who was looked upon as hopeless, a lost cause. And he did what only Jesus can do. He brought this man from the depths of hopelessness To a new life, freed from the power of Satan. This is what faith in Jesus does. It's amazing. Jesus is so good. We were singing that song. So look again at the verses. There's another reaction, isn't there? There's another reaction. Others trying to test Jesus. This is another unfortunate response to the work that Jesus was doing. You know, a common one again. This is not new in the scripture, is it? Many times people ask show me. We see it in Matthew chapter 12 chapter 16. Imagine after Jesus has performed the greatest miracle they have ever witnessed, the greatest miracle they ever witnessed, they ask Jesus, "Can you give me a, another sign to prove your authority?" I read this and it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? When you hear it, it doesn't sound ridiculous? It sounds just but hey, have you ever done it? Oh, I see some heads. Right after Jesus has done this greatest miracle ever, defeating death, and then to go to Jesus, can you give me a sign so I might believe? I'm guilty. He already gave us the greatest sign, the greatest miracle ever known ever. Yet so often, don't we come back? Will you just give me a sign? He already gave it to you in his resurrection. Asking God to confirm who he is. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. Who do we think we are? Asking God to confirm who he is. Look at verse 17 through 22. He knew their thoughts, so he said, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say I'm empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? If I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcist? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For when a strong man is fully armed and his guards, his palace, his possessions are safe. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. So beginning first, let's break this apart. Start right there with Verse 17. We learn that Jesus knew their thoughts. You know, he knows all of ours today too, doesn't he? Think about this. Think if if we all knew each other's thoughts. Some of you scare me. I'm sure if you knew my every thought, you'd lock me up and put me in a padded room for my safety and yours. Think about this. Isn't Jesus amazing though? He knows our every thought. He knows all. He sees everything and he sees it with grace. He sees it with mercy. He sees it with love. Think about that. Him knowing every single thought. He knows every wicked thought, and he loves us. I guarantee if you knew my every thought, you would not love me. He knows the innermost things of us, and he loves us. It's just phenomenal when I think about it. It just it breaks me to think about it. So then in the passage here, Back to the passage, Jesus begins in these verses to explain to them and to us how their thinking was wrong. Jesus is showing them through this example that he can't work for Satan because the result would be the fall of Satan's kingdom. And Jesus continues, he goes even further. He says that if it was true that the religious leaders would also, the exorcist would also be working under the power of Satan. Obviously, they're going to have a problem with hearing that. And the fact that in this story, we should know that Jesus is the stronger man. This is beautiful. The stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. That's you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is the one who makes Satan powerless in our lives. He's the one that came and defeated Satan. Satan and his strongholds. He rescued us from the power of Satan. There's a lot in these verses. It's amazing. And Jesus continues, and he really uses an analogy that is similar to one that maybe some of you would know today. It's like a house of cards. If any of you made a house with cards, you ever tried that? I remember as a kid, you stack them in the triangles and you keep trying to build. It takes hours. It's very frustrating, especially, like, I think the first part's one of the hardest even. And you try to stack it up, and your little sister comes in and knocks the table. But he uses this analogy. So what happens when you make this house built of playing cards, and you take one card out? The whole thing crumbles down. It's broken. And he uses this analogy. This is the same thing here. Satan and the demons, they're not going to tear their own house down. But they work in unity to bring, to build strongholds that are very difficult for us to tear down. I want to share a quote. Two quotes right in a row because they're connected. Satan may be wicked. He says in effect, but he's not a fool. This goes to the second quote by Spurgeon. Whatever fault the devils have, they are not at strife with each other. Their fault is reserved for the servants of a better master. Think about that quote. Isn't that something? Satan is unified and his demons are unified to come against us, the church. And yet, how often are we as brothers and sisters in Christ not in unity? Satan knows better. We should too. Think about that. Let's look at verse 23. Luke chapter 11. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me and anyone who isn't working with me is acting actually working against me you know there's a lot of people that believe they can just live their lives on the fence but let's read let's turn to revelation revelation chapter 3 15 and 16 revelation 3:15 i know all the things that you do that you are neither hot nor cold I wish you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. There is no neutrality. We either serve and call upon Jesus Christ as our Lord, or we serve the world, Satan. That's a big statement, isn't it? We either serve God, or we serve Satan. There is no neutral. There's no middle ground. The statement by Jesus is one that goes against many teachings in the world, doesn't it? Many teaching. I was reading a lot of commentaries on this, and Chuck Smith says this. He says, there is no neutral ground. What do you think of Christ? Well, I don't know. I think he's a good man. He was a pretty good philosopher. Are you for him? No, I am neutral. No, you're not. Jesus said, if you're not with me, You are against me. Maybe there's some here today that have been on that fence. That are not truly with Jesus. Not truly calling upon him as Lord. This scripture by Jesus is very clear. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Jesus has a lot more to say. Let's look at verse 24 through 26. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. What an interesting verse. And... I guess, a practical truth given to us by Jesus. Jesus is teaching that when an evil spirit returns, he comes with seven more. I don't know that it's exactly seven. I'm not sure. But I think the message is very clear. If a person is to be freed from a demonic possession, and there is not the presence of the Holy Spirit in that person's life, this is what will take place. You know, I think, I was reading this, and I think of an analogy. We'll see if it works. I think of a drug addict. A lot of us have seen a lot of people that's done with drugs, or maybe even an alcoholic. They get rid of the drugs. Get rid of it all. They clean up, right? They get clean. It's very common. But in getting clean, they didn't fix what had led them in the first place to do the drugs, or the alcohol, or Whatever you want to insert in there. There's many other things. The pain and the emptiness is still there in their soul. There's something missing. So what happens most every time? We've all seen it. Maybe some of us have experienced it. They return so often to the thing to fix the pain with the drugs or the alcohol and the addiction then what? It grows, doesn't it? Very typically it gets much worse. It takes over more and more of who they are, because we can't just remove the drugs or the addiction, can we? We can't just clean up and then expect to recover. It doesn't work that way. They need to be born again. They need to have the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God then comes and resides in them and fills in them what it was missing and gives them the strength to overcome these things that they were facing. Turn to Second Peter. Second Peter 2 Peter two, 2.2.2. You've heard this verse. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit. Another says a washed pig returns to the mud. Without the Holy Spirit, without salvation, without that person becoming a new creation, this is what happens. If that void isn't filled with Jesus, Satan's demons are going to move in with full force. And so that person is worse off than before. Let's read the last few verses for today, 27 through 28. As he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breast that nursed you. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Can you imagine Jesus is there? He's teaching about this demon, this demon possession, right? Kind of a Pretty interesting discussion. And this woman then calls out in the middle of this, or right after this, says, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breast that nursed you. I read this, and I was kind of like, what is that? I mean, it, it was, I don't know. I was like, It seemed strange to me. And then I was reading on it, and I want to share a quote, because I think, again, Chuck Smith did a great job at explaining it. And I want to go a little further into this. It's pretty actually amazing. So it says here, Chuck says, Mary was certainly blessed as a result of her privilege of giving birth to Jesus. And she is to be appreciated. This woman blessed Mary by saying, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But Jesus said more than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Everything comes down to our obedience and response to God. We will all be judged by the same standard. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with the word of God? In these last few verses, Jesus tells us to have faith through hearing the word and to simply walk in faith and believe on the word of God. And those of us that will believe on the word and live out the word in our lives, we will be blessed, think about this, even more so than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Imagine how blessed that woman was. The privilege she had. And he, Jesus is saying we will be even more blessed if we will follow the word. Consider these verses as we each commit to read our Bible in one year and stay in the word of God. As we commit to walk out and practice the word of God in our lives, he says we'll be blessed even more so than Mary. We're going to take communion in a little bit. But as we close out this, these passages, this miracle that we learn about here is told to us just in one verse. And very simply, it says, One day Jesus cast out a demon. The focus, again, on the verses isn't the miracle that Jesus had done, but the response of the people and the full mercy and grace that Jesus gave these people in explaining to them after they just said he does the work of Satan. Remember, this story has some amazing things. It says, The one who makes Satan powerless in our life, the one who has came defeating Satan, and his strongholds, rescuing us from Satan's power. We're going to take communion today. And as I prepared this message, I had questions, as I should as I study God's word. And I think the main theme of this message, that last verse, is there any part of God's word that I am not personally putting into practice in my own life? This is the big question. Is there any part of God's word that I am not putting into practice in my own life? What a great question, New Year's Day. Wait, I got a second part of this question. Is there anything in my life that opposes Jesus' word in my life? Now, as we get ready to pass out communion, I know there's a lot of people here. And if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ yet, I ask you to please come talk to us afterwards. These men that are standing now, you can talk to any one of them. They would love to talk to you. You can talk to them during communion or after the service. But communion is reserved for the believer. So if you are not a believer, I ask that you just take this time and be in prayer. And if you want to talk to someone, they'll talk to you. But if you are a believer, as we prepare to take communion, we have to ask questions, don't we? We have to examine ourselves. We have to look at our walk as a Christian and ask, is there any sin in our life between us and another brother or sister in Christ? We need to ask this question. Maybe there's something there that we need to take care of. I challenge you to take care of it right now. If it's in your heart, or maybe you need to go to your brother or sister. Maybe there's some sin in your life that you know you're struggling with. I ask you to grab one of the elders, grab one of the pastors, let them pray for you. There's victory in this. Jesus is the stronger man. He is the one that delivers us. So take care of these things before we participate in communion. Again, if you'd like prayer, or you'd like to know or understand more what it is to place your faith in Jesus, please grab one of these men that's standing here. Now, I think everyone here has probably thought about this new year. You know, I'll never think of a new year again after preaching 2020 New Year's message. I remember I preached 2020 message like how this is going to be a great year, and then, oh boy. I remember the title of the message, A Perfect Vision. It was an interesting message I look back on. But this is the time that many of us has made different New Year's resolutions. Anybody make a New Year's resolution? I made two. That's to be in prayer and be in God's Word. I think I can keep them, too. I failed today. You ready for this? January 1st. I got up, and I studied, and I prepared the message, and I did everything, and got everything ready, and I prayed over it, and I studied. Guess what I didn't do? My daily devotion. So I'll be doing that tonight now. So we're not perfect, right? But I'll be doing that tonight. But I want to be in God's Word every day and in prayer. So I'm challenging us, as this uh, verse really talks about today, to put God's Word in practice in all areas of your life this year. I think if you'll pray that, as we take communion, God will reveal something to every one of us to put God's word to practice in every area of our life this year. Jesus closed this message as he was talking, and he said, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. And we're going to take some time as they finish passing out communion, but I ask that you take this time now, And pray amongst yourselves. Pray about this new year. Reflect on the years past. But really also, take this time to ask Jesus to speak anything into your life. What he will have for you this year. And just prepare your heart for communion. So let's take this time and just pray amongst ourselves and prepare ourselves to participate in the Lord's Supper.